Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cocktails and Calamity. We've got an amazing show for you today. Cocktails and Calamity, as you know, is the show where we get comfy, get a little bit lit, and discuss the technology, politics, and social transformations shaping humanity's global future. I'm super excited today. Um, I've got an amazing guest for you, hailing all the way uh, from uh, uh, Sri Lanka, Colombo, Sri Lanka. His name is Emi, uh, Indy Summer Ajaiva, and you'll have to correct me on that, Indy, when you get a second. I'm I'm sure you can't pronounce Madaluni either. So uh, first of all, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? It's good to meet you guys. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. And so part of the reason that I wanted to bring you on today is, first of all, I discovered you, uh, I discovered your writing recently. And one of the things that really jumped out at me um, is you seem to have this really interesting look at the United States coming from... um, uh, from Sri Lanka, I know you grew up in the states and then moved to Sri Lanka. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what brought you, you know, where where you grew up, what brought you to uh, Sri Lanka, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear like kind of uh, that story. So I grew up all over. My parents were so you're normal Sri Lankan. Like we don't actually have access to the world. Like a Sri Lankan passport gets you access to maybe 25 or 23 percent of the world compared to like a US or Canadian passport, which gets you access to 95%. And so it's like a normal Sri Lankan sort of born in a pit, which people outside the pit don't think about. But I got out because my parents, through education, so you can get out through money, you can get out through education. So my parents were university, well, they, they were studying for a PhD when they had me, and then they were university professors and academics. So based on that, we kind of were able to move around the world which I think is something that's one more thing that Americans sort of take for granted. But for like most of the third world, for the colonized world, we still live in a world of sort of passport apartheid where we're not allowed to move around or even sort of like talk to you or sort of have these conversations. You're allowed to come visit us and like we can open coconuts for you and rub your feet and stuff. But if we try to come there, we get, you know, drowned or put in concentration camps. But again, I was able to get a ladder out of the pit because my parents had education. So you were born is, in Sri Lanka. I was actually born in Canada. So I was born you, in Canada while my oh, parents wow. were uh, PhD students. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a dual citizen. I have a Canadian passport as well. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So you were, so you were born in Canada. Your parents were um, scholars and research academics and researchers. What, what, uh, what, stu- what did they study? My mom uh, studied chemistry and my dad studied uh, communications and economics, like telecom. Okay. So after they finished their PhD, then they went back to Sri Lanka. But Sri Lanka was getting into some shit around then and it wasn't fantastic. So my dad got a job at Ohio State University. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, you, you grew up in the River Valley. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually lived right on the banks of the Scioto River. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's fascinating. So tell me a little bit about what you, what got you started? Like, what do you do now? What's your, what's your day job? And then what got you started um, really taking a look at how you could influence? I mean, it's, it's really interesting because one of the things that I notice about your writing is that it, I get the sense that you're really trying to influence Westerners. Like you're trying to help people get out of the, get out of their own way maybe and look beyond their own backyards. Like, is that accurate or am I just, am I fabricating that? That. No, absolutely. I'm okay. also angry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> what are you angry about? What, what, do you, what, what upsets you so much? So a lot of it, yeah, I guess I'm talking to Westerners, but the thing is I am also like Westernized, right? right. So right. my wife and I are going through the same process where we're like learning stuff and we're like, shit, like our minds were colonized. 
Mm. Like, like my wife always talks about how when she grew up, she always had white dolls. She saw white characters on TV. She mm. saw white people. She wanted to like be white. And then me also, I realized a lot of my ideas and the things I thought, like I never thought about the fact that say like I could move around the world and my cousins couldn't. I just never thought about that. I never thought about that being a problem until I had children really. Okay. So part of it is I am also talking to myself because I'm from a class which I think in South America you call the Comprador class, right? We're yeah. the ones that would like help the English colonized places. We'd be like, oh yeah, we'll do your paperwork ah. and like beat up the other people for you. Like, right. and that class is still there. Like we now, still now like, was work in the- they were, was, that, was that because they were the more educated class where they were, they, they saw the colonizers coming in and they said, you know what? We're, because we know that you've got money and resources, we're going to almost- um, you know, almost, I wouldn't say enslaved, but, um, you know, really push our own people down and in order to gain resources. Is that what you're saying? Well, the way colonization worked was essentially divide and conquer. So they'd right. come here, there'd be like five groups of nobles and like one group be like, Hey, I can play the Portuguese off the other dudes. And then we're like, Oh shit. Now the Portuguese are stuck here. And then someone else would be like, Oh, I can play the Dutch off these guys. And they're like, Oh shit, the Dutch are here. You know? So we were just constantly playing like people off each other, which is how it works, which is why I think also, also racism kind of works pretty good because like white people always had that where like, oh no, we're white and you're brown. So they could always stick together on that level. Whereas we were always trying to like play some fucking game and then we end up getting like super colonized. Right. Um, and so you said you're angry. Tell me a little bit about more like what, what your goals are. What do you, what do you, um, what are you hoping to achieve with your writing? So I grew up in America, right? So I grew up, there's a Paul Simon song, like pledging allegiance to the wall, right? Like I, I grew up like that. I, I grew up loving Thomas Jefferson because he, he was a great writer. I remember going to the Jefferson Memorial and being like quite moved by that. And then as an adult, when you find out, hey, this guy, you know, enslaved people and like raped like a teenage yeah. girl, that's like a bit, that makes me angry. Right. And it was all that sort of story like a lot of the story isn't true and it's hurting people. So then you look at all the wars which have continued since for my entire adult life, America's been at war. I mean, it's always been at war, but it's been at like very serious war my entire adult life. Right. And that's just become sort of like furniture. Like the idea that you can just like drone people or that you're causing a famine in Yemen and that's just like, oh, okay, sorry, we have to do that because like we have some political alliances. Like <laughs> these, these things are like hurting people. Right. And now you can see the chickens have sort of come home to roost in that like these these cruel, these sort of ignorant policies are, are killing Americans now. Like you have COVID-19, which is just from the neglect of science or the neglect of basic reason. And now over 300,000 people are dead in America. You have your militarized, your militaries come home to your borders and now they've fallen in from your borders and they're attacking you in your cities in Portland and Chicago. Yeah. So you can see it happening. But, and it's, I, I just think it's, I grew up with this idea that Americans were the good guys, and I don't think they are. And I think <laughs> no. someone has to say that. I mean, someone has to say the empire has doesn't have clothes. Right. Well, and you you bring up a really important point, and this is something that you know I've I've struggled with a lot when it comes to you know taking. Because I remember I I, pro, I mean even maybe two three years ago I'm thinking you know. Oh, you look at your past, you look at um, the slavers of the past, you look at our architects of our constitution, you look at the people who founded this country and the greatness of America, and you just kind of excuse 
the past. And you say, well, that was a different time or, well, that wasn't really, that's not something we can control now. We just have to, we just have to move forward. Um, but now America's really having this reckoning with itself and trying to understand its own soul. And now we have the uber politicization of these parties of the, the new Trumpism um, that's overtaken the American party and, you know, the, the new left, which sometimes is more concerned with personal offenses and affronts rather than systemic issues that need to be solved. What's your what's your take on that from from Sri Lanka? So American politics is crazy, right? Because like your <laughs> like your left party would be like well on our right. So your left party would be on the right of almost any other place, right? Like other places aren't debating like, hey, should we like have health care or like a society? <laughs> like even like the most, we definitely have like racism and like right wing shit everywhere, but it's right. not like the same sort of right wing. And I, and I think Umer Hawk writes about this. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but the idea that like just the basic ideas of having like social goods, people are kind of like understand that. Where I don't know what happened in America. I've read some other writers who say that what happened is Americans they want those social goods for themselves, but they don't want to share them. Right. So the idea of like sharing it with like it, it's this original sin, the fact that people enslaved other people and they still don't. So they just don't want to like share stuff with black people. I saw that where I grew up in, in Ohio, like the town I grew up in, like black people couldn't live there until the 80s. Um, I mean, you they would like let Asians in apparently, but like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's almost like spiteful. There's some like just level of like spitefulness, which other, I mean, Sri Lanka had similar stuff as well. We, we also disenfranchised a bunch of like Indian Tamils, but it's, you guys have resources, but you don't want to share. And that's, that's a very hard problem. So, so you, bring this, you bring up this interesting point about in the United States, the left. So it, it, in Sri Lanka, um, our left party uh, seems more like what you would, um, uh, what you would consider some uh, a, um, like a middle right party in Sri Lanka? Yeah. Can you tell? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, wh what do you mean by that? Because here, I mean, so I, in the U.S., we have you know our left wing has a very progressive party, which gets um, you know the right attacks, volleys arrows at them, um, calling them communists and socialists. Yeah. <laughs> where um, you know our center left party is more like the neoliberal party, right? It's the party yeah. of we are we want expansion, we want economic growth um, we're gonna pretend to help the middle class uh, and and but, the, and the working really. class, but not really yeah like what uh, sorry Kristen you have something to say? no that was all but oh. not really I was just adding on right so so what you know what's it like there what how, did, how is your government structured and, and what does that kind of look like when it comes to left versus right so American politics you have very clear like ideological differences we don't have that it's almost more so no party here dis like debates the idea whether the government should give you shit. Like they're just like, we'll give you more shit or we'll give like, different like people break shit. That, break that down a little more because I really appreciate, I really appreciate like the, the kind of tongue in cheek way you address that. But like, what does that mean? So when we vote, we're like, what the fuck are you going to give us? So like if we go to an election <laughs> rally, people are like, they, they give you like food and like alcohol to like show up at an election rally. Get and then out of they, here. Yeah. And then they like write these uh, proposals, which are like, oh, we'll give this much to this sector and this much to these guys and this much to this. And this. I don't mean like they don't give the shit half the time, but nobody's nobody's going up there saying like, pull your fucking self up. And we'd be like, what? Like, no, where's my like rice packet? Like, 
like no no that's not like a like it's not like a working it's weird how that's a working political position in america the idea that like fuck you like that's like do you think that comes from i mean having having been raised in ohio and and now living in sri lanka and looking at the two uh very different sets of political values do you think that you know, do you think that for us it's because we're such a massive nation that we think like, you know, okay, why should DC bail out, you know, like California or Missouri or Michigan? Like, do you think that's part of it, or like, what do you, what do you, what is your take on that? I don't know, man. Like, I guess it was sort of like a. But how big is Sri Lanka? About I don't know, like half the size of Ireland. It's like okay, three hundred thousand square kilometers or something. Okay. It's uh, you can you can drive across Sri Lanka in about seven hours. Seven. Oh, okay. Hours. All right. So pretty pretty small. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like like India like has still the idea that like government provides like services for you. America's weird, man. I don't fucking know. Like America's super weird. It's like you. It just started in some weird place. Like with. So I think America's found. So the founding myth I grew up with was like you know dudes freedom like awesome and it's only like essentially this year that i figured out that only six percent of people could vote at founding so america was essentially founded by rich white men who didn't want to pay taxes like that was the core problem the core problem wasn't like freedom the core problem was like this fucker in england is taxing us yeah and you can see like so it's not like the republican party is crazy like that's they're actually close they're originalists in that sense they're like fuck black people like fuck women like we don't want to pay taxes like that's a pretty core founding principle of America. Except they've always been delusional. Like they always tried to make it sound like everyone was equal. They were, they were always pretending. And and that's the story that I grew up with. Like, so the Republican story, that's the the story of America is the idea that like anybody can do this. Anybody can have this, just like work harder and like give it some time. And I think that story worked. I think it's like a bicycle. Like that story worked as long as it was moving forward. So like, you're like, like when I grew up, it was like the civil rights movements in the past, everything was getting better. Like everything was ahead of us. Then you get Obama and you're like, okay, cool. But I think Obama sort of woke people up to the, I think Trump was the first white president in that sense, because white president was default before that. He's the first person that ran as as a white president. And then people were like, wait, no, no, no. And then when the bicycle like falls over and turns around, then you're like, oh, shit, like everything sucks. Well, and I think that's where we are. Right. So we're seeing all of these social upheavals here in America. And I remember, you know, thinking back to the 1980s. Um, like America was, you know, fueled by cocaine and wall street. Like we were on the game was fucking on and we were riding that bike and that bike was, was flaming down the road. And then, then, you know, you, you, you'd step back and now you look at the year 2020 and we have the most massive, uh, gap in, um, income equality that we've ever had throughout history and probably the biggest besides Russia in the entire world, the wealth gap is bigger. So, you know, now that the bike is wobbling, now you see all this social unrest and it's, it's getting very bizarre. Um, let me, let me, I've got a, a comment here. Brian says, I wish I could hear and call in, but there, here's my thought. People, uh, people that say this statement have no idea what it's like to live in a third world country. We should take all these people and make them um, uh, live in a third world country for one month. You wrote an, You wrote a really interesting piece. Um, uh, but we also remember that third world country is not something we should say. 
Well, okay, I, th- so- I think I think third world country. I guess you can say it, right? Because like, I'm I'm trying to like reclaim it. It's like um, right, 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 right. Okay. Right, and and there's something to be said for that. I think we're 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 doing a, ourselves a disservice by like being like these are words we can't say now instead of like really digging into the core concepts and the ideas behind them and trying to understand and grapple with the truth behind the terms. So I think it is important. And I appreciate the fact that you are trying to take it back. <laughs> um, but uh, that being said, you wrote a really interesting piece. And this was, I think, the thing that caught me um, about your writing was that you you were writing about stop using the word third world as an insult. So you're not saying, you're not saying don't use it. You're not ah. Saying it, you're saying don't use it to insult people. Use it, but what, you know. And so I think it's interesting the comment Brian made, where he made you know his comment is, well, you know, America. I think where Brian's coming from is Americans are soft now. Put them in a third world country so they can toughen up. Like I think that's where he's coming from. I could be wrong, Brian. You can you can correct me, but um, I don't know if that's where you're coming from specifically, Indy. I mean, you so tell like- me. So third world is like a huge range of places, right? Includes Sri Lanka and like Ghana and like Paraguay, which are like super different places. So it's, it's essentially the term came out from where the people that didn't try to nuke the world like last century. That, mm-hmm. That's basically it. We just weren't involved in that stupid fucking war. Right, so what, right. it's not like places like without indoor plumbing. Like that's not really what it means. Like we've had indoor plumbing for like 2000 years. Like, <laughs> so... <laughs> And it's not necessarily, and, and, it, and it is places that were colonized. So yeah, people, we did go through some shit here. But yeah. the thing I think Americans maybe don't understand is they think they're this older civilization, which they're definitely not. And they think they're an older democracy, which they're also not. Because right. we had universal franchise in 1931. I think there were 51 or 54 countries that had it before America. Much of the third world, like Ghana just had an election. Like they have a much of the, and it's like not, doesn't go on for fucking two years and like never end with like a coup and shit. Like, like other people are like, it's not, people are like, oh, we're having like a third world election. Like, no, no, you're not. Like a third no, world no, election like are. makes much more sense. Right. Like, <laughs> like you're having whatever your election is, which is fucking endless. And like, <laughs> like it's, I guess there's just this, so this guy, um, CLR James has a quote. He says, myth making contains a virulent poison for the myth maker. They think that they're always the teacher, and he's mm-hmm. talking about Africans, that Africans are always the taught. And the right. result there is that you don't learn anything, because yeah, we may have like, you may have, like you definitely have like more stuff. Like you can get more stuff on Amazon, but I would actually rather be poor here, where like neighbors still kind of feed each other, like stuff still grows on the trees, you can still like go to the doctor and like get healthcare, like basic healthcare. Like I would honestly rather be poor here because I see how people live in America and it's really sad. Like someone come, someone was, I was talking to someone on Twitter and it just, she found out, I found out she was essentially homeless. She was living away from her kids, but she had Twitter. And then my wife was like, what kind of like society is that? That like people are like homeless, but they have Twitter. It's just vastly different. And especially when you talk about our healthcare, like we have a good friend who, um, for the most part of the last two years, like traveling, but mostly in um, Thailand. Prior to that, she was really, really struggling with her health. And we see pictures of her now and she looks amazing. So. <laughs> you do the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think like lifestyles are different also. I, I think just to, like you can see with climate change, right? Like whatever path you're on doesn't lead any place fantastic. I, I read a lot of like Chinese philosophers and like and, and Buddhist stuff, and there's this like, concept of like enough in those philosophies. Mm. Yeah. Whereas I think the concept of enough hasn't entered like Western Our thought. Minds. Like why? Like 
to like live like a, just a comfortable life in America, you need to make like 300, $400,000, just right. like not worry. And right. like yeah. where I live, I make like $25,000 a year and I don't worry. Like I go to the grocery store and I can like buy shit I want. I don't worry about like my kids, like school or like sickness or whatever. Right. So like, what are you making all that? Cause all the money you're making is correlated with carbon emissions, with climate change. So you're right. mortgaging your children's stuff. So you, and you're struggling. Like some of these things might be better if you like shared or cared about each other. Like it, it, this individual, everybody get everything for them fucking for themselves. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate the way that you're, that you're talking about this because I don't think it's something that Americans often are able to do because we get so boxed in by our political ideologies. Like it's very difficult for us to have the conversation you and I are having without people like getting ready to like rip their shirts off and, and tear each other's fucking throats out. You know what I mean? So like this idea that, okay, let's, let's stand back and have an honest conversation about what wealth is and, and what it means to live in a first world country country when you know the point that you bring up was really interesting um is that you know this person's homeless but they're like on twitter right and it's like this weird we've created this weird um bipolar class system here in the united states where it's like either you're uber wealthy or um you know you're you're poor and so like i think america is one of the few countries where like you know um our 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 poor people are like overweight do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. be- it's like, because, you know, we have all this fast food and it's like, to what extent is this need to drive ourselves financially forward? And, and I'm guilty of this. Like, I'm a capitalist. I, have, I own my own business. I invest in the stock market. Like, I'm trying to build wealth so I can retire at an, a young age and do whatever the hell I want. But in America, I have to, like, I don't see any, I don't see any other way. Now, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm also a progressive, so I, I want to kick in my fair share in order to make sure that nobody falls behind but there's this idea in the west that we are you know if if you're if you're subsiding on the government then that's killing the human spirit it's killing your ability to to grow and innovate and thrive what do you say to that so i think the arguments for so in sri lanka the name is democratic socialist republic like socialist is not a bad word in any part of the world the idea of the time behind yeah, the idea behind basic socialism is that it's an economic one. Like, let's say you're running a business in America. If I was running a business, I'd be like, why the fuck am I providing healthcare? Like, it's cheaper. Yeah. Some things are just much cheaper to do on a shared basis. It, it's an economic thing. The American healthcare system costs more per person to like provide less. Right. The dog is yeah, eating the absurd. Christmas tree. So some things are cheaper to like, nobody's like with roads, right? Nobody's like, hey, we should build our own roads. And yet roads are kind of like, they actually allocate money to private, to private people, to cars. Like you allocate money to the private sector in a weird way. Even fossil mm-hmm. fuel subsidies, you're allocating money to the private sector. But people don't, and they, people understand that, but they don't understand that, hey, allocating money to like human beings, so they're not struggling every day. Right. That might lead. So one thing I talk about is the right to not work. Because I, I'm also like a capitalist, like we have like investments and they just like spit out interest all the time. So I have the right to not work. And that leads me to be able to sit and like do like podcasts and shit that don't make money or like, right, you know, like that right. leads to like innovation. Like I've started a business here and why did I start a business? Because my parents gave me money. So right. there's this idea that innovation comes from like, oh, I need to get my next meal and it fucking doesn't. When, no, you, when, you, when you're worrying about point. Like when you yeah. innovation comes from like being comfortable enough, to like take a risk. Oh, absolutely. And so we have this, we're, 
the more people that we allow to take risks, the better society we'll have. And quite frankly, the more people that sit home and like do nothing and smoke pot, that's also good because they don't like produce carbon emissions. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really interesting point. And I appreciate you bringing that up too, because I think that there's this idea that, you know, if you're not struggling for your next meal, like you, you didn't pull yourself up from your bootstraps and like, there's no way for you to innovate because you're not terrified. Uh, there's a, it's a weird mythology as Americans that we have that you have to like be afraid of losing the next thing in order right, to want to do it's, anything. It's very difficult to admit that you've been bamboozled yes. for generations. <laughs> no, it's by crazy the like waking up in a man. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah but no, even, the, even the idea of Monopoly, right? The person who <laughs> made Monopoly made that game to show us how this shit is bad. And then yeah, we right. like commodified it and be like, oh yeah, Monopoly has fun. Like let's reload society like that. Well, and we're like, and we're like, oh, now that's, you know, if, if, you're not, if you're not owning everything and, and crushing your opponent and putting them into bankruptcy, you don't win. And like, to your point, the whole, the, the, the entire idea is to show that, that that's not, it's fun, it's a fun game, but it's not a good practice to serve, to live life with in a society. Society, but we as Americans like that is not the point we got from that fucking game I promise and, you and it's, it's not even it's not even good for capitalism right. like if you look at like Sweden or like Norway those are capitalist countries like yes. freaking like Ikea and like Spotify and like, <laughs> like big like companies come out of there and like it's not like oh because like our children like get a bag of goods at, at birth they're like fucking lazy for the rest of their lives like it doesn't work <laughs> like that <laughs> sorry Kristen what were you saying oh no I was gonna say because we were talking about I swear to god and sorry for the surprise but I literally bought our family a box game called Soci- Sociopoly for Christmas okay. which <laughs> switches Monopoly on its side and yeah I, I don't know how it goes yet but. so do you, I mean do you, um, if you play games I play Settlers of Catan have you, pl- have you played um, it we know of it I oh, okay. So, so Settlers of Catan there's this guy I think this guy Klaus Tuber should design a government because there's stuff built into that game whereas if you get too much stuff then you start like losing it like <laughs> there's like if you like just the way the roll the dice or whatever so it has like sort of built in stuff where it's like it's like Monopoly like if you play Monopoly I just tell my kids like just buy all the shit that's like the only right. fucking rule to it like yeah so there, there's nothing I, I, built in to like level things out. I, I just and the game quickly, just gets boring. I, I want to. Qu- it does. It does. Yeah, I want to quickly reintroduce you for the folks just joining us. So. Um Please, I know your name is Indy, but I'm going to butcher your last name. Samarajiva. So, so it's it's phonetic. So it's it's actually only five characters in our language. So okay. Samarajiva. You you can ah, read almost any uh, Sri Lankan. Yeah, exactly. You can read any Sri Lankan name like that. Okay. You, you oh, can actually learn the Sri Lankan script in like four hours. That's fantastic. Nice. Uh, ben, ben says, <laughs> my, single, kids in Costa, script, sorry. my kids in Costa Rica had many uh, questions and frustrations. It was eye-opening for them. It took them time and conversations for them to understand. Um, I'm not sure if he was referring, I think he was referring to a conversation we were having a little bit earlier. Um, I, don't, I don't know anything about Costa Rica to be able to really respond to that. Um, so tell it, uh, so again, so you are, you were raised in the United States. Um, you are living in Sri Sri Lanka now. You were, uh, born in Canada, but you are raising your family now in Sri Lanka, right? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And so you have, um, one of the things, and and so if you, if you guys want to find him, uh, if you go to Medium, you can find Indy, uh, on Medium. His, his work is incredible. 
Um, and again, like I'm, I'm not bullshitting you, man. Like I, I found your work and I was just like, I, I was enthralled and I, and I had to have you on, on the podcast. Um, but tell us a little bit more. Um, you know, you said you study, uh, you study Buddhism, you study, um, some ancient Chinese thought. Like what is, why do, why do you like, uh, what's your motivation and what do you really take from, from those studies? So, I mean, I think the world is going through this now where we're like kind of trying to like reset, our brains. So I grew up with like a certain canon and my wife pointed this out to me. She's like, you only read like white men. Like you don't read women. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, wait, why? Like, and, <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's, it's just sort of like reset. Like I'm just trying to, the, the idea that there's, I mean, I'm still reading like Chinese men, right. I'm like working on it, but like, <laughs> like there's just the idea that there's maybe there's like different ways of thinking and also it's just boring right like I, I my life just got more interesting when i started seeking out like more diverse viewpoints it's just more interesting right like there's right. only so many ways like a white man can tell a story like or, <laughs> <laughs> like no offense but none taken please <laughs> no and then there's just like different yeah, i think the world's waking up to sort of like different perspectives and obviously like the yeah. path we're going on now whatever philosophy led us here isn't fucking working like right. we need like different philosophy right. and even the idea of like western philosophy now they think about it like so my wife studies more western stuff but socrates and aristotle and all those dudes they were actually fundamentally asian like they would have been sort of offended at the idea that like england which to them was this backwater was like the center of the world because they were closer to like africa right so yeah i don't i don't well, it's also Sorry. fascinating when you start to when you start to read some of these uh, these philosophers as well. Like I was I was watching a mini documentary on Socrates the other day, and he was uh, staunchly against. Like the Greece was the birthplace of democracy, right? But Socrates was very not. He did not believe in democracy. He believed that democracy was one of the fastest ways to sink a ship because you know. And his his analogy was: if you have a ship and you're crossing the ocean, would you let the crew pick the captain or would you want somebody who is you know who has that skill set like right because right because it can be a popularity contest like if if we allow popularity to run our governments to run um you know these things like there's no corporation that is successful is their leaders are not picked democratically and, and i'm not against democracy but i think there's this interesting like idea here that we need to reckon with and and as america continues to move towards this reality television uh presidencies you know like how do we like I, I don't know like obviously you don't have the answer but like what do you what does it look like from your perspective so greek democracies were sort of to some degree slave state democracies right it was like original american democracy that only a small population could vote but what's interesting in some of the greek democracies they had something called sortition which is essentially random democracy which is which is what i support hmm. which is so let's say Sri Lanka, we have 225 people in parliament. I think when you go in to vote, you just put your name in the box and then we pick 225 names out and then that's the parliament. And then you'll immediately get 50%. Like, wait, 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 what do you mean by that? How, like, how does that work? So it's like jury duty. So okay, I, I, think, right. I think a parliament should be like jury duty. So then you would immediately get 50% women. You immediately get the racial representation. Because right. what, what we're getting in parliaments here is we see we, here we're getting essentially the feudal system back. So a lot of the people we get are the children of politicians or the relatives right. of politicians. What you're getting in America is like, um, like a 
oligarchy. Like your uh, right. representatives are are very wealthy. So if right. you look at AOC, the the controversy about her like shoes and rent and shit. That's because like other Bartenders, senators yeah. and representatives don't have that problem because they have like multiple houses. Right. They're incredibly yeah. wealthy. Uh, that lady Loeffler is like you know married to the stock market person. Like they're, and they're using it for fucking insider trading now as well. So right. you're ending up with this weird oligarchy based on the nature of like voting and how much it costs and so on. And yeah. so my argument for sortition or what I call random access democracy is just like, how could it be worse? Like, how could right. it be any fucking worse? <laughs> and it would also like, encourage you to educate your population well. Yeah. Because you would want everyone who might be ruling the country. Uh, oh, you're, you're so, and, and you might get like representation, right? Because like how many people in your Congress have like had to make rent? So what the fuck do they care about rent relief? Right. Like how many of them have like worried about like food? How, what the fuck do they care about like food deserts? Like, right. like it's hard to like represent problems you don't have. You, it's, I think Cori exactly. Bush, she was elected from somewhere. She's like been homeless. She's like been in an abusive relationship. These are issues that she understands and which she can advocate for. It's right. not like, oh, the Kennedys, like after like dealing alcohol for years, woke up and decided to like be nice to poor people. Like you don't have to like no. depend on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you brought up an interesting point and, and I want you to um, define the type of democracy you're talking about again, just so I, I, can, I can fully register it. Um, because, you know, here in the United States, we are supposed to be a representative democracy. We're supposed to be a constitutional democracy that has a representational, that is a republic built on representational democracy. But you make a, a very valid point that we don't have representational democracy. What we have is a corporate oligarchy. We have people who are an elite class of, of an elite political class that are really raised and born and bred uh, for politics. And so there is very little representation. What was what did you call, um, what were you a proponent of? The Greeks called it sortition. sortition. So, so that's okay. actually how they ran like a lot of city states. It would only be essentially from the, you know, the male slave owning class. Right. So only those people. But they actually had developed some technology around it. But you would just go in and put your name in, and a lot of the committees and stuff were operated by that. And then from those groups, they would appoint certain people, but those were transitions. It's how you ran city-states back then. Right. So that's the idea. So Greek democracy wasn't like, people didn't like go around like campaigning in togas generally. Like right. there was just a very small class that ruled and then they would sort of like divide power among themselves. I'm not saying that's like the greatest system. I just think it's <laughs> definitely better than like what we have now. But then right. what you're talking about, like sort of command economies, if you look at COVID, like say Vietnam, China, places, <sighs> with essentially communist governments, which are extremely stable, they've, done, they've been able to take more concrete action. Whereas you look at even South Korea, which is I think a very vibrant democracy, but they're still like, they're, I, I love South Korea, but they weren't able to put COVID down as conclusively as Vietnam because they have all those democratic uh, balances. They're like, oh, people that go to church votes, so we have to open the churches and now they're having outbreaks in churches and so on. Um, I, I think democracy is obviously like problematic, but I, I also think it's the, most fault tolerant system because so if you read Chinese philosophy, there's almost this weird idea of democracy, whereas the, the, the son of heaven gets a mandate from heaven. And then it seems almost cyclically after like five or six generations, the whole fucking thing falls down. Right. But then they end up with the warring states and it's incredibly traumatic. The point of democracy, which is why it's so dangerous what Trump is doing, is that it just contains that cycle of violence in like a regular sort of just cycle of general shit. Right. Uh, ben says, sortition is a caste system, correct? C-A-S-T-E? Like, uh, he, yeah. he, yes, yes. That's what he's asking. That's his question. Uh, it was, but it doesn't have to be. Like, you could, you could do universal sortition. 
But yeah, they definitely had a caste system. Like it was right. Like, it was, so, so in ancient in, in ancient Greece, it, there was a caste system, um, but it, it's not required for sortition to work. You can yeah, sortition it. itself is is not a caste system, but you can it definitely gets superimposed on a caste system. But even right. in America, you have a caste system, right? Like this whole idea of like illegal immigrant. There's like over 10 million people who are like doing the same fucking shit your ancestors did, like right. just showing up and like farming, like. So that's a caste system. You have a group of people who are outside of legal rights. I think there's over like 6 million people who are disenfranchised by the, the prison state. I'm like, that's a caste yeah. system. You're saying like those people don't have, yep. that's more people than were peak enslaved. And you're saying those people like can't be in your club. Like there's lots of stuff like that. Right. And I think, I think there's so much, um, again, I, I think that, you know, having this conversation with you um, for me is, is very helpful because I certainly get caught into, uh, you know, patterns of thought that don't allow me to kind of see from the outside in that would allow me to, to, to make a good case for, um, you know, progressivism or, um, democratic socialism and, and these things, because, you know, as I said, I'm a business owner, I'm a capitalist. I, I do believe that the capitalist system like you were, we were talking about democracy, right? And and I think democracy and capitalism are two systems. One is an economic system. One is a political system. But I think they have the most room um, for error without the entire system collapsing, right? So I think capitalism um, is incredibly important because it feel it's an engine of growth. Uh, and innovation, but I think this idea of neoliberal free market capitalism where you have absolutely no regulations is just, it's a horror show, right? Yeah. It's this, it's the, the potential for destruction is is awful. Uh, it's, not says, for capital- LOL, it's not good for like capitalism Henry. either. Yeah. Say that again? No, these systems aren't good for capitalism either. Like like Henry Ford, anti-Semitic, whatever, but like his one of his core innovations was, hey, maybe if I pay my workers enough, this is somewhat a myth, but if I pay my workers enough to like fucking afford a car, like then they'll have a bigger market for cars. Like right. America sort of hollowed out its market. Uh, there's this book called Violent Borders where he talks about this, but like the growth of America was sort of the middle class. Like if you have people that can buy stuff and do things and make businesses, that's where it comes from. If right. you give someone a millionaire, like another million dollars, they don't fucking do anything with it. No, right. Whereas if you give someone who has $1, like $20, they'll go and spend it or find a way to like make a fucking like some, some, some income out of it. Right. Like that's where the, like it, here the UNICEF or whatever talks about the greatest investment you can make is in a child. If you invest a dollar in a baby that has like $20 worth of like output, we're like, right. oh no, wait, what if we put it in like a billion? What if we give it to a billionaire? They're like, <laughs> make some dollars. That's like, most of their money's you? into their CEOs, but still, yeah. the idea is correct. <laughs> Yeah, like, look, my wife and I, like, are, are capitalists. Like, so we just randomly found we had a fixed deposit that was spitting out money into some other bank account. We weren't fucking doing anything with that. We're, and that would have been, like, someone's, like, yearly salary that they would have been, like, dumping into the economy. Right. So, like, this idea that, like, we need to give rich people shit so that then they'll maybe get poor. Like, why just give poor people yeah. stuff directly? Yeah, yeah. yeah th- this idea, the, the, the idea of trickle-down economics is literally the most uh, insane, um, you know, inept idea that was ever sold to the to the populace it was like let's figure out how to make the working class like the the republican i gotta give it to the republicans though here in the united states i mean their ability to turn people against themselves is i don't i don't know if there's another society in human history that has done such a good job of brainwashing the working class into betting against themselves i mean it's 
fucking incredible. And they've like brainwashed the Democrats also. Like to me, Obama is like yeah, a Republican president. Like yeah. Obamacare is a Republican idea. It's like, true. like, it's like true. the Democrats don't have ideas. They're just like, oh wait, no, we'll we'll fuck you gently. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, it's truly, yeah. truly. It, it it is quite bizarre and frustrating because you know, like the point that you bring up about you know our capitalist system. Um, you know, you have these laissez-faire economists and and. Um, I have good friends who are libertarians who like we go back and forth all the time and like I get their idea like I understand the unseen hand of the market. I realize that capitalism allows things to flow like nobody knows what a business needs better than the business owner. Nobody knows yeah. what um, you know what what somebody or what you know what a specific sector of society knows better than that sector of society. So I I am a capitalist for that reason, but I think this idea we pretend that there's no rule in capital, we pretend like it's you know to restrict pollution and to slow down um, income inequality is somehow against capitalism. When in fact we've always we've always uh, sought to make capitalism better by putting some putting our arms around it and figuring out ways to make it work better while not fucking the masses. And I don't this idea that that can't you can't have both is absurd to me. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism is a uh, it's rules. So I, I understand the idea that like because in Sri Lanka, we experimented with sort of a controlled sort of state economy in the 70s and 80s. And my parents, and my grandparents still remember that. Like my wife's grandfather won't eat manioc, which I don't know what you call it, but he just won't eat it because during ration times, it didn't have enough rice. So like it, a complete state command economy doesn't work. Right. So, yes, absolutely. Capitalism is a good engine for stuff but you also need like seats in a car you need like brakes there's like other things you could build around it like right. america you have this like fucking hot rod with like no seats for anybody and it's right, like on right. fire like so you need to, <laughs> like there's this you need capital you can see this with covid right there's like health and economy like oh they're different things like no, they're fucking not like the countries that like have like balanced health also have economy. Like an economy is just a measure of the output of human beings. That's all it is. Though in US, like your stock market's gone fucking crazy. Like right. it's completely bifurcated from human existence. Yeah. And I think that's very dangerous because then you're ending up in like a son of heaven territory where the whole thing just has to fall down. Yeah, fall in on itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, without the middle class, and you brought this point up when you were talking about Henry Ford earlier, um, as, <laughs> as bizarre as that motherfucker's politics were, he understand two things very well. One, the fucking assembly line, and two, that you needed to make sure that your employees could buy your shit. Right? Yeah. Those are the two most it important things. It was rest, too. He created the weekend, remember? Did he? He was no, I mean, started letting his employees off on Saturdays. And then people campaigned. Like, people died in People died for the weekend. We forget that. We're like, oh, weekends. Like, people campaigned and, like, worked and, like, labor. They were, like, there was a big labor rights movement, and then it just, like, stopped. And we're like, oh, okay, these are all the rights we're ever going to get. And, like, this is all we need. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it happened in Sri Lanka as well. Like we have a lot more labor rights, but they also stopped at a certain point. Right. right. But then at the same time, we have organizations like OSHA that's completely messed up. I mean, we have friends who are um, whale trainers at SeaWorld and what they went through with the dissection of how they do their job. And they're like, nobody else does our job. Why do you want to regulate it? Right. Well, and in what way? Like, and that, and that's the interest. And I think this is okay. So you bring up a great point, Chris. And I think this is where people lose all faith in government is because the government's role in um, 
in getting its hands around the free market to a point where it keeps people safe and it keeps it from going off the guardrails, oftentimes they don't find the experts in those areas. So, you know, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, we have all of these top-down, like, you know, rich-ass motherfuckers in Washington, but we don't hire, like, people who, like, for OSHA, for example, her example is at SeaWorld, where they brought in all of these OSHA people, and OSHA, if you don't know, it's the organization that protects um, workers' Laborers. safety. yeah, yeah, workers' right. safety. And so, like, the person who is teaching them, the whale trainer, the orca trainer, the person that gets in the water with these massive creatures every single day was saying that last week she came to SeaWorld and watched uh, watched them do a show and she had no idea killer whales were, we're dangerous. dangerous. And you're okay. going, Jesus <laughs> fuck, criminy. Like, what? <laughs> like, is this the right person to be regulating this industry? And, and I think that, you know, I think this is where people go, the government can't do anything, they're inept. Um, like, wh- what do you say to that? How do, how do you get, like, how do you overcome that argument? I mean, I, I used to believe that also, right? I used to think like government should stay out of uh, stuff because the private sector is more efficient. But then I've like worked in the private sector and it's like not efficient. <laughs> like <laughs> like the, the private sector just looks efficient because 90% of like businesses are failing at some point, right? So you can't, you simply just can't have that failure rate in a government. And if you look at stuff like COVID, you're like, oh shit, we need a government for like certain functions. Maybe it might right. be useful for other functions as well. I, I think right. people- yeah, like like business is good for like these things are good together. I would say that regulating killer whale treatment beyond like maybe not having killer whales or in right. cages, but I think that's maybe on the lower end of the stuff you should be regulating. Like you should maybe be regulating other things first, like you know healthcare, basic education, like basic uh, like safety, basic health, and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think like when people, yeah, this is American idea they're gonna come in like regulate like my cupcake shop, and it's like yeah, okay, man, but like what about your fucking healthcare? Right, <laughs> right. No, I, I like, think that's a, I, I think that's a really good point, and like you know this, uh, you know again, I, I think that if the government just did a better job, like COVID for example, right? Like the idea of having experts. Um, you know, bringing experts into the government and guiding you through these things. And I think one of the biggest things that um, we're struggling with here in the United States is just pure ignorance. Like people are so hyper partisan and so uneducated that we, you know, they we just listen to the first voice that speaks directly to us, and all of our. Uh, reactions are purely emotional and nobody's taking the time to really think deeply and, you know, like the fact that most people will say, uh, you know, will argue with a scientist who changes their mind and say that that scientist is no good because they changed their mind has no understanding of the scientific method. Like it it is disastrous. Right. Yeah, I don't our know kids what... who are homeschooled know the scientific method. They do. And they, <laughs> and they know science, like reality exists and it's always changing. Our ability to understand reality yeah. exists and it's always changing. And to, to not be, you know, to not even recognize that is just, it's, it's frustrating and bizarre. Like it scares the living bejesus out of me. 
I think to some degree, people have like given up on politics in America, right? Like, I think people go to Trump rallies for entertainment. They go the same as they go to, to a WWE event. They know that these politicians aren't going to give them shit, so they just go for the most entertaining one. Like, that's the only way I can, I can reconcile like an Obama voter and a Trump voter. It's like, oh, Obama was entertaining. Like, yeah. like right. these, because because they're not voting for any fucking policies because they know like look the Democrats are also going to screw them like the Democrats also like did uh, NAFTA which I think is great for Mexico and so on but it wasn't really thought out <laughs> in terms of like American workers right. um, like I'm simplifying that issue but like even the Democrats will pursue like neoliberal policies they'll still send like you know poor kids to go and kill even poorer kids in fucking Afghanistan without yes. thinking about it yes. like. Like so, the people just go like, "What the fuck are these guys gonna do for me?" Which is when I get back into like, like we think like this guy's gonna fucking do something for me. Like I'm gonna call him and I'm gonna get my kid into school, or I'm gonna call him and he's gonna like help me with this shit. Whereas you guys like just give up and you're like, "Okay, it's a TV show." Like what's right. and like yeah. what, what are your TV shows? They're just like people doing crazy shit all the time. Oh, I thought you were not. Supposed, you're supposed to inspire me. Now, I'm no man, glad. like you don't get it. Like it's not. <laughs> Well, uh, so so to to be clear, and 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 I I'm completely tongue in cheek in, in saying that, but you wrote um, you wrote something uh, recently which I thought was was really fun and interesting, um, and it was about uh, basic basically it was why America needs to feel bad. Things are bad. Why should you feel good? <laughs> No, this is Amer- this is American idea that like everything needs to be done by like the yeah, commercial break or whatever, and like sometimes right. it isn't. It just isn't. No, I think it's a generational thing you're going through, and you guys want it to be over like with Biden, or you want it to be over with the fucking electoral college, or over right. on January 20th. It's like it doesn't work like that. Like right. it literally will only get better when like all the dumb old people die. Like so, you're looking at like 30 years. But now we have <laughs> new dumb people. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, because I, I, I've definitely had that. Kristen and I have had that conversation so many times, where it's like, okay, we're getting closer. Like they're starting to pass away. Like there will be a time when there's no racism, sexism, uh, you know, bigotry. Um, like, but and now it's, it's like they're breeding. Like the breeders are breeding, and it's yeah. dangerous. It's it's hard with bubbles too, because we spend a lot of, a lot of time, or a lot of our friends are um, Unitarian Universalists, and so that's like a it's a religion, but it's basically a, a group of very social justice, community-minded right. type of people. And so when we spend time around them and we see their brilliant, outgoing children who care about the world and making it a better place and making sure that farmers get paid enough for picking tomatoes, yeah. we forget that the rest of the world is not on that page. The rest of the country. Yeah, like the, Colum- like the Columbus River Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know what you do about that. No, that, that's a. It's a real problem. Because I mean, I know some QAnon uh, people here. It's like they're nice people, but like when they talk about politics, I literally just get up and fucking leave. Right. Like, right. Because there's uh, no point. There's there's no argument to be had. Ben says, "Ooh, ask him who are the new dumb people." Let's hear his side. <laughs> I think he just did. Didn't you just say who are the new dumb people? I don't know. Same as the old dumb people. Yeah. Well, everybody. So, look. Look, look like. I, we're referring Sorry, to like denial of science, right? And and but I, I I still always put my foot down and say that we perpetuate these things because we you know we have corporations that pay scientists to come out with a certain result in a study. We have the press who's going to push anything that they can 
get to be more popular on television and get them better ratings. So we are allowing capitalism to make people question our institutions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think so you were talking about, Michael, you're talking about like experts having expert committees. But in the government sphere, what that often means is you get like people from like McKinsey or like business consultants or people from like venture funds. And these are like mm-hmm. experts on like various things. Or you right. get people from the industry itself and these are like experts. So then people do start to doubt right. whether like you have like a real. Yeah. Um, right. And then, and, then, and then you don't know what's real and what isn't, right? So you have all of these people, you have a movie like Plandemic come out, right? And so you have all these people who are being sold this, um, and I don't, wanna, I don't wanna just straight call it false or fake, but what I wanna say is it's a, it's a dramatiz- dramatiz- dramatization. dramatization of, of a few ideas that have um, correlations that aren't necessarily causation. And so when you have a society that doesn't understand, A, the difference between correlation and causation, um, and B, who has the attention span of a gnat, and who can be emotionally manipulated with some sad fucking music, like, what the f- And where- stock video. I, apparently it opens up <laughs> yeah. into stock video. <laughs> Stock video companies are doing great right now, though. <laughs> I, I think they want the same thing we do. Like, they, I also believe in like conspiracy theories. I think there's like fossil fuel conspiracies to like get money out of the government, like fucking in the world. Like, I think that there's like border conspiracies to keep people like us down, and and you know, like these are conspiracies, I guess. Like, we also want meaning, and we also believe things which are quite out of the mainstream. Like, I have beliefs which are quite out of the mainstream, and, and so do they. So I think they want, I, I understand that search for meaning and to like connect dots because I feel like I'm connecting dots all the time, right? right? And, I, and I, feel like mine, but I feel like mine are the right ones, I think. Right. Well, but, but everybody like, does, right? Everybody feels like that, right? But the, the question is, the question then becomes how much work are you willing to do to you know, follow through on your beliefs? Like if I have a certain belief, how much work am I willing to do in order to hack away at what is not correct about that belief or ultimately change my belief? And I don't think, um, you know, I think we've, we're so dumbed down and lazy that we don't do the work necessary. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I pick up a new book and I'm like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. And like, I'm like, this is, you know, and I'm like trying to think of all the different ways where this fits my reality instead of, okay, what are all the ways that this um, challenges my reality? Or how can, I, how can I use this new information to challenge something about, about my beliefs? And, I, and I'm, you know, I, I try to do that, but I, don't, I certainly don't do it all the time, and I don't think a lot of people do it at all. So, the, so I've been reading this guy, Zhuangzi, who's like a later Chinese philosopher, and he essentially says that... Uh, more knowledge and stuff is essentially useless and you should sort of smash the jade tablets. And his goal is, is nothingness. So he talks about like a, a gnarly tree that's like so ugly and useless that nobody cuts it down to make coffins or furniture out of it. And he's like, be like that tree, like be like useless. So there's even within, <laughs> so, he, so it's sort of endemic to Western, like honestly later Western philosophy is that there always is an answer to something or that like if you keep thinking about it, you'll figure it out. And then, so people like Zhuangzi essentially laugh at that, or the Taoists would laugh at that. And their goal is closer to sort of nothingness or right. to just going 
as in there's like a different level of understanding, whereas your rational mind doesn't doesn't control or understand everything. But as in there's a different way to go. You, people like I think in the West people are always trying to like go forward and more knowledge and more information, and that's right. good. I also like love information and, and all. But there's also a way of like going back and like you know just closing your eyes and like breathing for a while. That right. can also take you to the same place. Right, or or of completely different place. I mean, you look at yeah. like you look at Western minds, and you look at somebody like Einstein. Like Einstein said, they're like Einstein. How are you? How are you so smart? How are, how did you figure this out? How do you do these things that you do? And he says, Well, I don't. I'm not that smart. I just sit in the question longer. Right. So he's he's saying that you can figure any problem out if you stay in the question long enough. And I, but I think you're saying something different because that, I think Einstein had a very Western mind. Like he was driven to discover, he wanted to understand, he wanted to unravel the mysteries of the universe and he was willing to sit in the question longer to get to an answer. And he was able to do that, but you know, understanding a gravitational wave may not be very productive. <laughs> so, so what the Eastern philosophers would say is the, often the question is wrong. So when people ask Buddha like what happens after you die or whatever, he would just say, that's not relevant. He was focused on one particular question. And I think about that in a lot of our problems as well. Sometimes we'll talk about one thing and maybe that's not. So my mom was asking, since we're having some level of pieces, kids aren't going to school to the same amount. How do we like get lectures on video for children? And then I was thinking like, wait, why are we giving kids lectures? Like maybe right. there's a different, maybe we're asking the wrong question. Like a lecture was designed because they only had one book and some guy had to get up and read it in front of the class. <laughs> like, so why are we like replicating that? Or even your question about like the, the killer whale regulation. Like maybe that, I don't know the answer to that, but maybe it's the wrong question. Like maybe the actual question is, there's that uh, idea of five whys. It's like some management philosophy. But if someone comes to you with a problem, you ask why five times until you get back to the root right. cause. So I think in America, a lot of the debates are about like these, like say police reform, right? Like right. what the fuck are you going to do there? Like you need to go back and be like, fuck, we need to start over. Like this was just right. a, like, I think in other countries, I forget what, this one country where they just, the police force was so bad, they just got rid of it and like started again. And that's how you fix a computer generally, right? You don't like go back and like change everything. You're like, fuck, I just need to turn it off and turn it on again. Right. It's just going to make it worse, right? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I mean, and, and that's what I've been saying since our, all of the kids here started their school year this year. And everybody was like, oh, the kids have to be back in school. They're all going to fall behind. I'm like, what's behind? They're kids. <laughs> yeah, I've been about that. Fuck. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Like school, like, I mean, I think it's, you need to learn how to read and write. And from there, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like let them play with dirt for a year. Who cares? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a really good point because, I, the, Kristen, like you couldn't have said it better. Like, well, what is behind? Like, what are we what, what are we in such a hurry to do? Like destroy the planet? Like, is that what we're is that what we're in such a rush to do to, to, to drive ourselves fucking extinct? We're leading yeah, we question like we're. <laughs> We're the leaders of entropy in the in the world. Thank you, America. Well, yeah, like the further you grow, like the more we die. It's unfortunate. Right, right. Okay, so you've convinced me that I don't have to feel good. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk. I want to. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, and, and we'll get back to some more fun topics, but real quick, you had a, you had an interesting perspective on COVID um, and, and the COVID vaccine. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your 
what your thoughts are on how COVID spread and where the vaccine is. Um, before you answer that, uh, 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 we had a comment. I disagree when my kids are where they are. In, I disagree when my kids are where they are in school. So I'm guessing you're saying you like where your kids are in school and you'd hate to see them fall behind from that point. Um, and I think every parent has the right to do that. Um, but I don't think every parent has the right to tell other parents where their kids should or should not be. And I, and I know you're not saying that, Ben. Um, but let's 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 uh, switch gears real quick because you you know you you're coming from a bit of an angry perspective uh, when it comes to how the United States and Western civilizations have uh, dealt with COVID and what it's going to look like over the next few years. You talk about um, you know third world countries being on the last of the list when it, oh shit you got a destruction happening that homeschooling going on in the other room. No, it's probably the dog. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, tell me a little bit about what, what your thoughts are there, um, uh, you know, in regard to in regard to COVID and, and how it's been handled in the West versus versus the East. So COVID's a big issue, but I'll just talk about the vaccine part first, because that's like all over your news about how you're getting this great vaccine or whatever. And we're not getting a vaccine. So many of so much of the third world is looking at vaccines in like 2022, 2023, mm. if we're lucky. Right. So what's happened is you've sort of privatized the pandemic. You put government money into these private companies and then you're like using taxpayer money. So you paid for the research and then using taxpayer money to like buy the stuff and you're hoarding it. So I think Canada has five times the doses they need for their population. America has maybe two or three times. Uh, they're just people are just buying up, which is precisely what the WHO said not to do. Right. They said this needs to be a global effort. We need to vaccinate first responders for everywhere. We need to do it in like a controlled, wow. strategic manner. I wasn't aware so of that all at the all. Yeah, so all the vaccines you're talking about are private goods. They're being hoarded by rich countries. We're not getting them. So, at, and the only people developing vaccines as a public good, as we're, as they're supposed to, are China and Russia. And India is pushing for it to some degree as well. Um, and then, but then your Western media covers it like, oh, what's their motives? Like, what are they doing? Like, are they trying to like control the world this way? And I was like, what the fuck are your motives? Like, right. why are you hoarding the thing <laughs> and like not helping anyone? at all. And there was a, there's something still ongoing in the WTO where I think over 100 countries are pushing to make COVID treatments and vaccines uh, IP free, to make them patent free. And the rich countries of the world are, are bearing this. So the US, EU, yeah. UK, Canada, Japan, Australia, like all these fuckers are saying like, oh no, we need to like protect our drug companies. They're not representing you you as people either because this isn't your interest. It's a global pandemic. Like the, the medical way to fight it is to fight it globally, but yes. it's being done for profit. So you have these like dope vaccines, like good for you. They're, 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 they're my, I have a better chance of getting like a Rolex on my wrist than a Pfizer shot, you know? Like, wow. It, it's never coming here. And, and it's come not never coming here because of private profiteering. And it's on your dime. Like they're, they're, they're milking you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's sickening. Well, we, we've always known that all they're about is profit, but. But it's yeah. just weird how much your governments represent them and like not you. Like, no, 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 it's true. It's absolutely true. But with the COVID response, brain. like, and, and I think it's just <laughs> been like a, the only time America really mobilized is when the stock market went down. You know, yeah. like it seems like the Western countries are protecting their stock markets and not their people. And so right now, because so people are talking about another bailout, you're not getting another fucking bailout. You're not getting Dude. shit unless you tank the stock market. Dude. That's the only thing they respond to. At if the that, stock market is up, nothing will happen. I mean, I mean, I, I try and I try to step back and be like, OK, you know, like it's important for me to, to not look at 
uh, it's important for me to understand the the interplay of all these things going on at the same time. Um, I don't want to I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that that's pure causation, but you make a really fucking good point. And our stock market crashed once. We bailed. We 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 you, we uh, passed the CARES Act. Um, you know, we bailed out the businesses, the money flowed into the stock market and the stock market came back and it's blowing up. As long as that's happening, why would there be another American bailout? That is the, that's terrifying, dude. Like that's that's the only metric they look at, man. That's the only metric they look at because what the fuck do they know about someone who's struggling to make rent? Like all their friends are just talking about the stock market. Like you're represented by like rich people. Right. Yeah. And like the only time they'll get a phone call that they care about is like, oh, my fucking four, like my shares went down. Like that's right. it. Nobody's going to call them to be like, oh, like my kid is hungry. Like they don't give right. a fuck. Right. We, 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 we have uh, the friend here and there, Alicia and Stacy, who call them every fucking day. Yeah, tell that's good. That they're doing a terrible job. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't listen. They don't care. They don't, they don't care. It's all, it's all about it's all about what keeps the stock market moving. And this idea, like the other day, Trump came out um, after he lost the election. Uh, you know, he comes out and says the stock market hit 30,000 points. It's a beautiful number. We've never seen that number before. It's a beautiful number. And just walked away. Like he walked on, said that, and walked off. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't think people here in the United States, like, either you love Trump or you hate Trump. If you walked out and said that and you love Trump, then you're going, nobody nobody respects him. He did this amazing thing. He got us the stock market at 30,000 points. And then people who hate him are like, this fucking asshole, blah, 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 blah. But nobody t- steps back and tears away at the deep issue here which is uh, the only thing any of these fuckers care about is the stock market and i think you need to look at maybe the roots of the stock market as well so the first ipo was i think the dutch east india company which came here and colonized us and had like human beings and stolen land and shit on their books so mm-hmm. you guys are kind of colonizing yourselves now and it doesn't work out well so colonization <laughs> works by extracting resources from people from land from whatever yeah. for the benefit of like a small class which then sort of kick, pays off the king or queen mm-hmm. so people think colonization was like the king or queen came here it wasn't really like that it was sort of like a mafia thing where like you know some capo capos or whatever would come here do whatever the fuck they want as long as they gave their kickback to the king or queen that, right. that was fine so that's what's happening in your country like yeah. you're having this elite that's like looting whatever the fuck they want and as long as they give their kickback to the dudes in in power then it's cool but you're gonna colonize yeah and, and i mean and, and what bog what michael and, and i have talked about a thousand times is like the this is kind of who somehow still believe that they should vote for republicans because somehow they're gonna be that rich one day those policies protect them at some point we're like how delusional can you possibly? That's the idea. That's why you don't have class solidarity, right? Because nobody's going to vote for like poor people because they're like, oh, I'm not going to be poor for long. I'm just like visiting, like yeah. which, right. which I understand. Like people vote like aspirationally almost, like they right. vote their dreams, not their like reality. Right. Yeah. And and I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to move up your station in life. Like the reality is, like you want to grow. You want to, you know, there is there is a case for wealth accumulation. There is a case to, you know, work your way up through the ranks and and you know build some skills and then maybe open your own business someday and expand and not have the government, you know, reaching down your throat and taking everything you earn. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, I think what uh, what you've um, what you've sort of pointed out here is that we are colonizing ourselves in a way in that. You know, the, the wealth gap continued. I, I, there was a study that came out just within the past two weeks, I think. And, and the U.S., the U.S.'s income inequality was second and only to Russia. Um, and you talk about, I mean, Russia is like oil oligarchs and then like everyone else, right? So if we're second to that, what does that really mean? And I don't think anybody, I think America is so vast and you know we're so co- consumed by our media outlets that nobody has a good view of what's really going down on the well, ground it's everywhere. Gone downhill so fast. Like, has it, or has it just well, been revealed it, by COVID? W- wasn't it like when Roosevelt was in office? Weren't the Te- wealthy Teddy or Frankie? I think yeah. So the, yeah, yeah, the Gilded Age. I think the last time you had inequality like this was the Gilded Age. So essentially before your stock market crash in the Great Depression. It's, yeah. it's a bit scary how much the U.S. is repeating the last century. Like your stock market makes no fucking sense right now. You have like companies that don't like should be bankrupt, but they just keep getting like bailouts and they're still like investment. People invest based on that. Yeah. But what do you, what do you think? Very- I mean, I mean, so after, you know, OK, so, you know, we had massive income inequality. Then we hit the Great Depression. And then Franklin Delano Roosevelt steps in and he and he, he creates the Great Society, which is very much about social reform, is about economic justice. And, you know, and, and people look back and they say, well, socialism is hor you know, socialism is horrible and, and blah, 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 blah. And then we're going like, who's 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 t- telling you? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like this idea, like that, when you create less income, in, like you still have capitalism, right? Capitalism is is an economic system. You have social reforms. You know, like look at look at um, the Scandinavian countries, right? Like people point to them and they go, they're socialist. You don't want to be socialist, and I'm I'm going, but like. Wh- how uneducated are you? Like these are capitalist. Which part bothers you? These- All the vacation time or the paid <laughs> childcare? I mean, people like work hard and they make like money there. I don't get it. Like they drive well, Teslas a lot. Like. Well, yeah. I mean, the idea is like it's like they they are they're driven by capitalism, but they have social programs. In fact, Norway has you know they have natural resources in their country, uh, oil, and they put a, a value added tax on that oil, VAT, and that money that they tax on it goes back to the social program. And so I'm, I don't know if you followed much leading up to the presidential election, but Andrew Yang, uh, I'm like straight up Yang gang. And one of the things that he talked about was a universal basic income. And the whole idea behind the universal basic income was that America has really one thing of value and that's data. And in order to, in order for the United, for the people of the country to benefit off that, we need to start taxing every Facebook ad, every Amazon um, purchase, every Google search, and putting that money back into a fund called the Freedom Dividend, which is then allocated to all the individuals in the country, given as a UBI, a thousand bucks a month. And that will help to alleviate some of these hardships. And people are going, oh no, you can't do that. That's socialism. That's going to destroy the country. That's going to bring in communism. And you're like, wait a second we're just harvesting some of the natural resources of our country so that people don't have to worry what you know that they're going to lose their home or not be able to eat to get from paycheck to paycheck let's do that and that makes people more mobile they can start businesses like you were talking about that at the beginning of the show you can money back into the economy you can actually put money back in the economy you can start a business you can do a thousand things like 
Oh, and a lot of countries so have sovereign. I think people want the same things. Like even like Fox News polls, like people actually want healthcare and they want these services and so on. I think the difference is how people want to get there. So the Republican American idea is you get there on your own. And the more sensible idea is maybe you get there together. That's essentially what socialism is. It's saying, hey, like some stuff, like, hey, maybe we should do this socially. It'll be cheaper to buy. It's like group buying, essentially. Right. So, so right. group on is right. actually a better policy for certain things. Some things are better to do. Or you can see in the way people eat, right? A Republican. You're right. <laughs> you can see in the way people eat in like different countries. Like here, you share, or in Chinese meals or Sri Lanka Asian meals, you share all the food, like you just right. get food for a table. Whereas in Western countries, you order individual plates. It's a giant, different way of looking at things. giant fucking plates. Yeah, dude. giant fucking plates, like, I remember there's, that. There's no like, I, I think that's such a great metaphor because you know you have you have countries that are more social oriented that that share you know we call it we call it family style here in the United States because it's it's a rarity that we actually give a shit about the family, um, but you know and then we got to a restaurant we have these giant individual plates and we waste so much and we throw so much out but I think that that's a great analogy yeah I think one other thing Americans maybe should think about is all your policies are focused on the ceiling. Like, how much money can I make? Like, what's my tax rate when I make, like, a billion dollars? That's, like, what I'm going to vote on. But you need to think about the floor. Like, what, like, food, water, shelter. Like, are you provided that? That's sort of the foundation for everything else. People are voting based on, like, how high the fucking ceiling is. But, like, you're living on a dirt floor. So. Yeah. But I think, I don't know how you reach out to I don't actually care as much, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, are you enjoying the show? Are you enjoying the show, Indy? <laughs> Look, to some degree, like, yeah, I'm happy the shit's going down. Like, this shit's got to go down. Like, I, I feel bad that the people it's falling down on, but right. this is a shit show, and it's like killing right. everybody. So, like, it's yeah, awful. no, like, I'm glad the empire's going down. Fuck the empire. But like, right. I feel bad for the people there. <laughs> right. Well, and this is what, like, here in the U.S., like, so oftentimes we're like, you know, our, our big enemy is either the Chinese or the Russians. And so, you know, we're always like, we, we talk about the Chinese and how they're, they're um, you know, calling or banking, um, turning, you know, Asian countries into their indentured servants through their baking industries. And, um, and they're sucking the wealth out. And they're, they're the empire. And we're the, we're the rebels. And, and, and it's like... But look at your rich so people. Nice. They hang out with those same people. They fucking love each other. Like, yeah. rich people all over the world are, like, buddies. Like... Oh yeah. Well, and I think this is like there's no racism or class. There's no racism among the upper class, man. They're all fucking friends, right? No, that's you're you're absolutely right. And I think I think it speaks to. So here's what Trump was so fucking like. And you can you can call this guy a dummy all day you all all you want, but I'm in the marketing business and I know this guy. Like, no, he's got marketing chops, and his marketing chops are his ability (laughs) to tell a story that's true enough that gets people angry enough and creates and creates an enemy. So he was able to tell the story against immigrants. He was able to tell the story against global global capitalist globalization and America first. And so he's not he's not wrong in the idea that there is a an elite group of ultra wealthy who want complete capitalist globalization who are willing to do despicable things. Now, you know, the whole QAnon and all these other things that popped up out of it that are complete narratives and and completely made up ideas, 
um, they ring true because he led the way when it comes. He 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 picked out something that had enough truth that he was able to then you know turn people into um, you know just they think they can get um, you know they can really under they they think they really understand what's going on when they just have like a morsel of the truth. I think yeah, it's truthiness. <laughs> like I think Colbert called it that. Yep. <laughs> so, so like the, the Q, like that's sort of rewarmed elders of Zion stuff. It's this idea that like rich people are fucking you, which is true, but mm-hmm. the specifics of it are all crazy. Right. And the They're, targets yeah. are all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is, which is you know which is sad because it's like well you know if we could. If we, if we could actually understand who who what the actual mechanisms are, and I think one of the things is I think people they think they believe in overarching narratives. Like we are so <laughs> we are so hook line and sinker when it comes to the Western formulaic movie, right? So it's like yeah. you have your protagonist, you have your antagonist, you have your hero's journey, you have you know, and it goes up 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 up, up and then and then it all comes back around. And there's there's one evil mastermind, and and then you bring that evil mastermind down. And that's yeah. just not how the world works. Like there are so many interconnected parts, there are so many competitions, there are so many collusions, there are so many different things happening at the same time um, that you can't. That that like, there's no real narrative that's going to work out in in your movie brain. It's never going to align with what you think it should be. So instead, what do you do? You just make it up. Yeah, I think about that movie brain a lot because we tell our kids fairy tales and stuff, and we've been sort of like looking at those. So this story, say, take Cinderella. The story is always like someone's in a bad situation, then they get out of it. It's never like they change the situation. So all, so many of our stories are like that. It's just like one person gets out. It's never like, so I think Cinderella should fucking guillotine the prince. Like right. why, <laughs> like, and like what, what about all the other like scullion maids and stuff? Like what, never, right. and even like say Snow White or whatever. There's always this idea that there's someone who's from an upper class. They get tossed into a lower class where they don't belong. They right. get out. But it's never I, the class system that's the problem. The oh, Lion King sits point. outside of that. Does it? No, the Lion King's horrible. <laughs> Lion King's, <laughs> it's, it's very racist towards hyenas. Like, <laughs> like Scar's main innovation was saying hyenas could also be part of the community. And then, uh, and then right. Simba came back and he was like the Trump of that shit. And he said, no, hyenas are bad. Right. Hyenas need to fucking yeah. go. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm a hyena rights support. No, the Lion King's still about like hyenas are freaking remarkable. We saw one recently up against the glass. Obviously, um, they are enormous. Like people oh, think no, of them as scavengers, but they're actually quite aggressive and can do a great deal of damage. Yeah, they're quite powerful. Oh, and then, yeah. oh no, and they, they were done dirty by the Lion King. But Scar was actually liberation. <laughs> well, you know why? Because in reality, hyenas steal about two tenths of every lion's kill or not every lion's kill but two tenths of the kills hyenas are bad for lions hyenas are bad for lions because like because hyenas are like immigrants right they're like they're like the social class that that takes from the 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 upper class and so there's this you know there's this disney-esque idea that we need to you know hyenas are bad because they're they're bad for the ruling class even though disney's Disney's very problematic Yeah, even though the ruling class could not consume that whole carcass before it went bad. Anyway. But Disney's very, like, even the Marvel movies are fundamentally, like, genocidal. Like, there's always some enemy, and you need to fucking kill them all. Like, there's never, like, any 
like all the alien forces nobody fucking talks to them or asks like what kind of like music they have or food or whatever it just killed them like <laughs> but didn't you find didn't you find that um didn't you find the idea of Thanos and, and that whole narrative to be interesting? I, I found it to be interesting in this idea like that this one person believed that the resources were being consumed to the point of no return. And so in order to fix it, he had to sacrifice like he had to do the most un you know, Western Christian thing and he had to do to be the bad guy and like solve the problem for the people because they were unable or unwilling to solve it for themselves. I actually wrote something about Thanos. Thanos. And I, I think he he had some validity, but he just had the math wrong. So you don't need to reduce, remove 50% of population. You just need to remove like 1%. So Oxfam has some report that 1% of the population is responsible for more than 50% of the missions. So if you snap your fingers and got rid of like Murdoch and like McConnell, right. and like the billionaires, then yeah, you don't, there's this almost like Western a modern the sort of eco-colonial idea. All the beans. Yeah, there's this idea that overpopulation is the part, the thing with climate change, and it's not that. It's greed. So yeah, if Thanos yeah. snapped his fingers and got rid of the one percent, that would have the same impact as getting rid of like fifty percent. Is a bit of a blunt measure. I, I do think right. Thanos could have used some better advice on that. Right, right, right. But you know, we're 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 talking to children, and you know, so we had to we had to make it easy. We had to make the math. No, but, easy. Yeah, but look, no, Disney could have talked about that. They, 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 it's not that more complicated than like fucking alien dude and collecting rings and shit. Like Disney doesn't talk about that. Disney like is the class system. Like that's that's what they launder. Like that's that's your mythology. Yeah, Brother Bear is my favorite Disney movie, and I don't know if you know it. I've been seeing that. I should. It. It tries to put you in the perspective of the creature that you don't understand. It so it was probably a better done. But I, I guarantee you, like, um, if we sat down and watched that movie with uh, Indy, he, he could find he'll a, f- no, no, a no, ton of holes in it. I'm not, I'm not that skinny. <laughs> <laughs> No, but kids stuff, like, it's also just not an interesting story. Like, take COVID, right? How great a story is it? Like, oh, we worked together and we had a bunch of scientists and it was complicated. And then, like, it's very few movies are, like, we were watching some, we were watching the Mr. Rogers movie. And everything they have to make about, like, one person having a conflict with their father or whatever. And, and I understand that because that's how stories are told. But it does right. sort of ill-prepare us for a world which is complex and a lot of interacting things. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the fairy tales um, and your point. By the way, your point about um, why why you know moving through the class system, being in a class that you don't belong in, and and jutting to the top, and like not fixing the the system that's broken. I think is just like I, I hadn't even begun to consider that. So that that's a brilliant point. And then no, and watch it. It's always someone from the upper class falling down. That's the only injustice in that world. It's weird. Uh, right. Oh, that is fucking weird. <laughs> Even Simba, right? The only injustice there was Simba should have been upper class and he like hang out with fucking Timon and Pumbaa. And that right, was right. Bad. And this is, I mean, we're talking, we're talking from the age of two, three, four years old. We're brainwashing our kids. Yeah, implanting. We're implanting these ideas and like, I don't know. Like, I love to go to Disney World. I love Epcot. I love all these things. I have so much fun, um, you know, doing these things. And and Disney movies, like, they remind me of like a simpler time. And you yeah. know, but at the same time, the uh, the principles behind those sorts of things, like, you don't consider the unconscious frameworks that they build, and if they actually have effects on behavior. And I think it's, oh, and they definitely do. But they change as we evolve. Right, it was like after we were married. At some point, Mike told me that the Little Mermaid was his favorite Disney movie, and I was like, "Oh, 
Dude. <laughs> Dude, the original Little Mermaid is scary as shit. Like Dude, the it was my Hans favorite. Christian. <laughs> all of them, all of the when the the old stories, if you read them, they're 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 terrifying. They yeah, like Cinder, like so Cinderella, the stepsisters cut off their feet to try and fit them in yeah, yeah. the yeah, in the yeah. shoes. There's like blood squirting everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, and then one of one of the wicked stepmothers they kill by putting her uh, shoes in the fire at the wedding and making her dance in her burning shoes. <laughs> yeah, I think someone should put the horror back in those in those kids' stories because I think that sort of tells you the actual class system, like the actual horror. Right, thing. right. So, so Disney was brilliant because he was able to boil it down for kids. Like he was able to teach kids, an entire generation of children like how to preserve the classes system. Um, you know, just under the cover of these simplified horrifying you know grim grim's fairy tales i think it's just i think someone's gonna remake them as horror what better what better thing as a capitalist to like use uh, use stories that were not that could no longer be under copyright law and just fucking just just jack them and turn them into your own fucking oh my god but so I think it's, it's actually really older than but it's even fun. older than those stories. So it, my favorite Disney movie is actually this documentary called Monkey Kingdom, which is about a troop of monkeys. And we were watching that, and the monkeys at the top took all the good fruit and then dropped the shit to the ones at the bottom. And then the the children of the monkeys at the top would like fuck with the elders at the bottom, and the elders were like forced to do health care or not health care, child care, and like cleaning up and like just being shat on, literally shat on by these like right. the top monkeys. And I was and I was watching that, I was like, oh, why are the monkeys so mean? And then I was like, wait a minute, like that's exactly how we are, right? Like, yeah. like we're yeah. <laughs> like so yeah, it's much older, right? I think this goes right. back to our. Back when we were like rats and voles, right? Like well, we would have had these social just, hierarchies. Well, I yeah. mean, we're, we're closely related to chimps, and they occasionally tear each other to pieces for amusement. They're vegetarians, and they have right. strong social hierarchies. <laughs> like they have strong, but there's different ways you can. If you look at chimp populations, there's different ways you can structure it. Um, like like bonobos have much less like sexual abuse and so on. Right. They have much more sexual abuse, but they have much less like uh, patriarchy. No, 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 no. It, it is all consensual. Bonobos are fucking. They're they're happy because they're know, all man. having sex all the time. God damn nasty. it! But what um, I love about I like bonobos is like. Kristen, like, so, so just so anybody who's listening who cares, like, there are three species of. Um, uh, it wouldn't be primate. Would it be prim- Yes, three species of primate that are the most closely related to humans. They're bonobos, gibbons, and chimpanzees. Chimpanzees exhibit extraordinary hierarchical behaviors, and they rip violence, each other. Yeah. A lot of violence. Bonobos, they um, they solve social problems with sex all the time. Uh, all the time, and gibbons are actually monogamous. So it's they interesting. They have a nice little family structure. They have a nice little family unit. So it, it is quite interesting how how there is an, a dimension of each of those species that uh, often. Uh, can be found in, in the human primate. Yeah. It shows us different ways we could structure ourselves. Like, we're on the assumption this is the only way we can be, and this is, like, all made up. Like, we could change it. I, I think that's right. I think that's the whole... Po- I think that's, you know, if, if this conversation is going anywhere, I think that's where it's going. It's going to this idea that we do have a choice, right? So we as, as human beings um, have created all kinds of different societies throughout the world. We have the, um, you know, the, the primate and DNA knowledge of uh, how to do that in, in our collective past. And there's no way that we can't figure this thing out. I mean, I, I definitely think it's gonna get worse before it gets better, but I, I, I don't yeah. see any reason why it can't get better. 
But I think we are at a moment of enlightenment, like a awakening, I guess. Like you, you see all these different perspectives, all these ideas coming out that will bear fruit in like 20, 30 years when you have different voices, different perspectives. Uh, there's a lot of like, like me personally, I felt it in my own brain, whereas I'm questioning like a lot of things. So that questioning will lead to answers at some point. I think so. Um, we, we had a podcast in here the other night where we were actually, so we've got a lot of friends who work at Disney and, and who are Disney lovers because we live in Orlando, Florida and we have like, and so a huge amount of the Disney cast has just been chopped. Like 25, I think the most recent round of layoffs was like 25,000 people or something like that. No, that's um, and so we were trying to, we were doing a fundraiser for Disney cast members. Um, and you know, one of the, but like the, Disney's making like really good profits. I don't get it. Yeah, no, they're, they're doing fine. Dude, my, my Disney stock is doing just fine. And that's the thing. Like it's oh hi, you little ones yeah. behind you. We're saying hi to you little one. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like it's, it's, I, I have no idea where I was going with that. I, I had a point. So you were raising money for Disney workers. Yeah, yeah. So we were raising money for Disney workers and, um, you know, it was, it, uh, no, I really, I have no, we had, what were we talking about before that? He, he just likes children. He was very distracted. Ours have I gotten did. very old and ugly. I, I love kiddos. I'm, 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 I'm like a little kid at heart and I love the cute, the cute kids. And, and so this is, so. yeah, this is a good age. They like stop shitting themselves. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh dude. It's so funny that you mentioned that because like Kristen and I, like that was the best, you know, age when, when they can make their own breakfast, they pour, wipe, pour their their, own wipe their own butts, you know, pour oh, ours aren't cereal. wiping their own butts yet. That's not yet. Dramatic. That's coming. It's coming. And once they do, and now it's really cool because like ours are teenagers. So like we have these really like, you know, interesting conversations and they have their own personalities and ideas and belief systems. And it's like, wow, like it's, it, I don't know. It's really freaking cool when they get, when they get to the point where they're their own human. And we're lucky because like we had kids early. Mm-hmm. So now we're starting to get like, they're pretty self-sufficient and a lot of our friends have like little tiny ones right now. So we can visit, well, not with COVID, but under other circumstances, we can visit and play with them and then just go home. Yeah. No wiping yeah, box or any of that bullshit. <laughs> and there's an age where the kids can make drinks for you. I've noticed that. That seems That's amazing. correct. That is accurate. I wouldn't trust one of my children to make a drink. Like, I, like fetch I really a drink. Don't. I said three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Indy, do me a favor. Tell tell our tell everybody who's listening where they can find you. Um, you know how they can learn more about you and uh, see more of your work. Uh, you can type in indy.ca as a URL, and that'll take you to the Medium page. And then Fantastic. I started like a podcast, which like mainly my wife makes fun of. But, uh, <laughs> but you can also, you can also get, get that through, through the same link. Yeah, my wife, got, my wife got over my podcast. I, I, to, I think I told you this when we were first started chatting. Like I first, when I first launched my first podcast, like I was out in the garage, like hiding and just like hunched over this like ten dollar yeah. microphone. And uh, yeah, so it's you know, like she made fun of mine too. So it's cool. Yeah. Oh, and then on Twitter, I'm, I'm Indica. Also, you can. I'm uh, sorry. Where was the podcast? Oh, uh, you, you can, It's at. Uh, Anchor.fm slash indication. Okay. And then uh, Twitter? Indica. Uh, Indica. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and uh, Indy, uh, f- what a pleasure. Um, I hope you'll consider doing the podcast again. I know you had to get up at 5.30 this morning. No, that's uh, fine. They usually us. wake me up at like 6 anyway, so that's fine. All right, cool. Well, I hope we can do this again sometime. You've been just, just yeah, a really pleasure nice to, to meet talk you guys. to. Yeah, really nice to meet you as well, and I hope we can do some more great work together. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, I hope you feel bad.
As the globe continues to shrink and the power of information screams forward, every action, every idea has a chance to catch fire and set the world ablaze. In this time of great uncertainty, we look boldly in the face of calamity with cocktail in hand. Join us every single week as we discuss the technology, politics, and social issues facing humanity's global future. If you'd like bonus content, our weekly newsletter, or an opportunity to join us live, simply go to cocktailsandcalamity.com to join the movement. You can find us live on Facebook at Cocktails and Calamity every Friday at 5 p.m. You can also watch or listen anytime on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Join us live, engage in the conversation. We'll see you there.